Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I felt trapped. I felt threatened. Alone. I thought I was the only one. They see the pain on the field, but not the pain inside. I tried drink. Drugs. I couldn't sleep. It never stops. I couldn't be a good friend. Brother. Father. Mother. I'm Jeff. John. Gary. Layla. People laugh when they hear what it stands for. They laugh when they hear what it stands for. I suffer. I suffer. I suffer. I suffer. Rugby deficit disorder. Hi, I'm JB. I may have made you laugh in the past, but RDD is no laughing matter. Studies show millions of people just like you suffer from rugby deficit disorder. It's not a joke, it's a serious condition. And I'm here to tell you you're not alone. You don't have to suffer in silence. Every week, me, Tim and Phil will ensure missing a game will not set off your RDD. It's time to take a stand. Take back control. You are not a monster. Subscribe today. Thank you. And welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. As always, on these big weekends, these big, exciting finals weekends, I am joined by loyal old Phil. Hello. (laughs) Hello, Jonathan. And down the line, treacherous Tim Cocker, who couldn't make it because he's in the shipping container. You you right, Tim? I'm very well, but I'm deeply offended by that because the only reason I'm in the shipping container is because Phil didn't want to do it on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> uh, well, he actually told me to say that, Tim, so... Apologies, gents. <laughs> I was in uh, North Wales, deepest North Wales. Oh, I love this. I, oh, by the way, happy birthday, mate. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It, it has been your birthday, hasn't it, over the last few days? It has. Uh, last week was my birthday. Uh, I've not received... I've not been given one card or present yet. Oh, have you not? No, I was I was working away for a couple of days last week uh, and didn't get the opportunity to have the grand unveiling and then I've been away this weekend. Oh, right. So my mum has not bought me a birthday present or Christmas present for two years now. <laughs> two years. Uh, she try, did try and attempt to buy me a Christmas present, but uh, I've already got a spade and a, a pickaxe, so I sent, I sent them back. <laughs> so the other day she sent me 200, 200 quid. Like, sorry, go and buy yourself something. Fine. 
uh, and then I got a message from her saying she sent it from the wrong account and could she, could she have the 200 quid back? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, Mum. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> but no, but yours, your birthday situation is truly spectacular because for your birthday... You're made to walk around Beth Gellett with your <laughs> wife's family. Uh, well, we only did one day of walking with my wife's family. Uh, my mother and father-in-law have just completed the Offers Dyke walk, uh-huh. which is 180 miles. Not for me, thank you. <laughs> it's a big old walk they've done in about 10 or 11 days. Uh, but we just spent a couple of days walking and drinking in See, Beth Gellett. I would happily never have a Christmas, uh, Christmas present or a birthday present or bar mitzvah present ever again. <laughs> <laughs> to avoid walking in Beth Gallet in the same area year after year. <laughs> what have you been up to, Tim? Uh, I was at the Premiership final. Very nice. In the baking heat, um, working on the BT stage with Bod. Oh wow, wow! Let me tell. Let me tell you. I got. Um, I got. I've had a glimpse before, but I got a real because I spent the basically spent the day with uh, Bod. Uh, I've basically now seen firsthand over an extended period of time what it's like to be Brian O'Driscoll, and I don't know how he gets anything done. Really? Is he he just... can't go anywhere. He walks every, like we tried to walk from the stage to the to the stadium to go and watch the game, and we only just arrived in time for kickoff because lots of egg chasers fans. There was actually there was one beautiful moment when Bod was stood by a barrier and someone came over and uh, to chat to me, which is, uh, I did enjoy. Awesome. But the, the other. The other set, the other eighty thousand people all wanted to have a selfie with uh, Bod. Um, He's like, I, I was trying to think, rugby royalty wise, who else would there be that's that's as big as him? Ooh, Wilkinson, Rich, Rich, Wilkinson, Mc, yeah, McCaw, yeah. That's about it. I don't think there's a single yeah. Scottish player. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe Laidlaw after the video of him ripping his shirt off maybe, to, to Scots. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe a George Gregan. Yeah. George Gregan in Australia. And there must be a South African somewhere. Oh, yeah. Um, Francois Pinot. Oh, Francois Pinot, absolutely. Or yes, Matt Field. Right. Yeah. 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 But, but, yeah, bodies among yeah. very, very few. The only other one I can think of, of, the only other one I can think of that's even comparable is probably someone like Nev Edwards. <laughs> Killing it. <laughs> um just out of interest, did they? Because surely Bod would have wanted to be in Dublin to, yeah, well, that's a, to watch a, that. Were the BT producers just kind of winding him up? He no, no, I, no. He, he was he was looking forward to being at the Premiership final. He did get the the plane back. He got a plane back str- as soon after kickoff as he uh, full time as he could. Yeah. Um, as soon as as soon as we were done, but he would have been in the air whilst the. Um, Pro 14 final was on. He might have got the first half in the airport, but that's it. Wow. Yeah. 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 Well, there's not only Bod that would like to go to the Pro 14 final. I imagine Craig Doyle would have quite liked to go to the, <laughs> yeah. the, the Pro 14 final as well. Hey. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it was the end of season shindig, so all good. So have you, have you got any Brian O'Driscoll stories or anecdotes you can uh, regale us with, Tim? Uh, couldn't, couldn't possibly say. Uh,. Oh, some bits and bobs might trickle out as we as we talk mm. through the pod. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Mm. So, I mean, it's a, a lot has gone on this weekend, and I kind of feel that any other weekend, any other finals weekend, we should all be overwhelmingly positive about the amazing festival of rugby, which is finals weekend. Yeah, I can't help but think I I feel a bit down. Well, particularly about. Well, particularly, there's no, going to be no more club rugby. I mean, that to me is always a you know a gut punch. But also, how have England managed to make 
a festival of rugby into a funeral. <laughs> um, yeah, in a, what should be a hundred point thriller, and there should be positives to take out of that game. I'm really struggling to see them. Yeah, well, we're going to talk all about England and their barbarians calamity. Uh, but first of all, make sure you subscribe to the podcast at what well, 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 we know Apple Podcasts. Is that what is that where the kids uh, go? Just wherever you get your podcast. I, I, I get mine from Castbox on my Do Android you? phone. I get mine on Pocket uh, Pocketcast. Uh, I'm Player FM. Oh wow! Look at us, good. Android crew. Um, but, Absolutely. Hey, uh, listen, I'll put it like this: I work, but I work in a in a radio station with massively expensive bits of technological kit. None of the engineers have Apple products. Well, it tells its own story. Mm. It does. Cor- it really does. Correlation is not causation, but it is in this case. You, uh, you, can, <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter, at Rugby Podcast. We've got a Facebook page. We've got Instagram, all of that. And now we've finished off that little public service announcement. Let's talk about the Premiership final. No, let's talk about England. Do you want to go with England first? Let's Absolutely, get... that's the biggest story of the weekend. Let's get it out of the way. Right. Well, we uh, get it? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much to. I, I, I'm almost speechless about this. It's, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I mean, uh, I was talking to Phil in uh, in in the car on the way here, and uh, like, is is access to players important or is it not? <laughs> because the argument that goes round somehow is. This isn't England's first team. If it was England's first team, they wouldn't have been embarrassed by the Barbarians. The Barbarians, by the way, have had as many training sessions as Knights on the Beer. Yeah. So And, and all those training sessions followed a Knight on the Beer. Exactly. <laughs> so I just don't see the argument that these are not... It's not about having the best players. That's not how rugby works. Because if you just had the best players... You know the Pacific the Pacific Islands team might be in like semi-finals and finals of World, of World, World Cups, but they're but they're not. It's about much more than that. And the fact that England have got a full-on setup, they've been together for so long. Loads of lads in that team had caps anyway. Yeah, load, loads did. Yeah, it's it's a mature yeah, I was organization. Looking at the lineup and trying to think that if if they were playing New Zealand next weekend um, or, or or Sunday for whatever, if they were playing New Zealand, then. You could argue eight of that team would have been in with a shout of a starting 15. Spot. Yeah, absolutely. So that just isn't good enough. And the thing which got me is it wasn't that they shipped points because somebody tried to put the ball behind their back and then do you know, a, you know, some sort of back heel to score a try and it got intercepted and they were just trying crazy attacking rugby. That never happened. It was because they weren't good enough and their structures weren't good enough. Their set piece wasn't good enough. Their defence was atrocious. That's the disappointing bit, the the, the shape and structure in defence particularly. Because we, we, and you talk about it more than anyone, Jay, defence, when you break it down, is very, very simple. Mm. You need shape, you need pattern, you need line speed. And, you and just, wolves. Just effort, just hard work and yeah. effort. And they didn't seem to have any of those elements Consistently, I, I, what happened to Chris, to Chris Robshaw? I mean, uh, no one works harder than than Chris Robshaw. That is his selling point. But if he starts missing any amount of tackles, he's done. I, I honestly think this could be a hammer blow to his international career. Uh, uh, well, uh, listen, I I've seen that, and I, one thing I I really dislike, and it's been it's been a trait in football fans. In, uh, you know, for years, and I hopes that rugby would avoid it. Is these huge 
flip-flopping opinions that change on the basis of one game. Mm. And so many people have said he should never pull on an England shirt again. Well, I, look, I do one. I, I do don't one. I don't want him I don't want him lynched. Uh, that, that's the first thing. <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, they've got a really good point. What he did wasn't good enough. And it's not as if you know, this is Sam Underhill or, or, or someone like someone like that. And I, I use Sam Underhill because he's a young up-and-coming player. And you can imagine someone like that having an off game because maybe they've just not got the experience of the big game or what, what have you. Not Chris Robshaw. I mean, this is 50, 60, 70 test guy. And yeah, and, he and, should be... and in, in, in a Six Nations when England underperformed, we were saying what a hero that man is. Uh, not this Every Six Nations. Every single week, week after week after week. Uh, look, so I admire well, him. He, he had a really bad game. He had really two bad turnovers in the first half. He had he had a, he had a really, really poor bad. game. But I am not having it with these people going. Well, that's it now. That's but, it. He's done. Yeah, I, I am with you on this too. Uh, I, I, and I think one thing I will add is. The balance of the back row is absolutely vital. Yes. We, we saw, um, well, in all the games, actually, this weekend, both Pro 14 and Premiership Final, we saw different styles of back row. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you could say the uh, Saracens and Exeter back rows in particular are different style, but they work because they're well-balanced. I didn't feel that back row particularly was a balanced back row. Yeah, but you know, I, I go back to it, the mistakes he was making... They they were things that he does well, like tackling at the uh, at the back of a line out. You know, when you've missed half your tackles or whatever it was, it's just that's. I think that's. Um, I do think that is unforgivable. I can okay. see one or two. Well, if you the, write off a career on the basis of a performance, uh, then Ben Youngs would have had his career ended every six games. <laughs> every six games, yeah. It's, it's very, but you know, there are players that this does happen to. Luther, Luther Burrell had one bad game, never seen again. Um, well, he had he had twenty eight minutes. He didn't he didn't even do anything in that twenty eight. minutes. Yeah, twenty eight minutes he had done. Uh, Tamar Harrison, Harrison. same yeah. done. Uh, who who played eight on the weekend? I don't even remember Mercer. Oh yeah, no, that doesn't excite Mer- me. Yeah, Mercer is right now too lightweight to be, much, to be playing. Much too lightweight. Yeah, he needs to look more like James Haskell. Yeah, uh, and the other problem I thought as well is like there are lads in there who are almost like well-established England boys. Now, they're not established in terms of they play a lot, but they are established in terms of they are always in and around the camp. For instance, Piers Francis. He's been in the camp a while. He's definitely not an established England player. No, but he keeps getting called up. I mean, he went to Argentina. He was in the... I think he played for England before he played for Northampton. Which part of Piers Francis' game makes you think, oh, there's an England player for you? <laughs> Except for the missed tackles. I mean, obviously, he could go like for like with Owen Farrell in that regard. The the only part of his game, which was a point I made a few weeks ago, was the fact that he played Super Rugby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which that's, is... That's it. Things look amazing. Players look amazing. When you, when you clip together a highlight reel of anyone playing in the backs in Super Rugby, you're like... Right, that guy should be playing international rugby no matter what. Yes. And then you you see him up close in Northern Hemisphere conditions and it's a different story. Yeah, and isn't it so ironic that Eddie Jones prizes pro, uh, sorry, super rugby players so much when his style of rugby couldn't be less super rugby? <laughs> um, Piers Francis, my observation of him is he looks like a, he's got a boxer's face. He looks like he's... Mm. <laughs> he, he's got, his face is sort of slightly melted in parts. Yep. You know what I mean? It's just he's got those eyes of a boxer that's, Mel- got, that's been through the ringer. Poor old melted face, Pierce Francis. I wonder. Uh, I hope he doesn't listen to this because uh, you know I don't. Th- I just think he's not an international. You know, he's just not going to be the guy 
who England can turn to in the World Cup and say, hey, Piers, do you mind filling in at 12 or 10 and winning this final? I don't know why they're persevering, really. Do you know what? Do you know what? I, I feel desperate that Ben Obano sacrificed himself for that. Uh, that's horrible news. Horrible, horrible news. Yeah, no. Yeah, but, but, he, but he went through all that training and sacrifice. Like, what, what training are they doing? Because, again, I mean, we'll talk about the final um, more broadly in a, in a bit, but Makovanapola, Maruitoji, Owen Farrell look like spring chickens, fresh as a daisy. Well, I mean, Makovanapola, not Mako, sorry, Mario went through all the effort of doing, like, a sleeping celebration one week, didn't he? Just to prove <laughs> that he wasn't tired. He did. Uh, this kind well, of... Like- What's going on? Because some of these players, like, again, Mike Brown, two metres he made in that game. That is astonishing. The selection was astonishing, yeah, but not quite as astonishing as the performance. Right? Almost, it, it, almost like, it, with some of the tries, it's almost like he's not quite quick enough to play international winger. Almost. Almost. Like Ed, Eddie, and, Jones. Eddie Jones found that out, and every England fan well, could have told him that before the game. All he needed to do was pick up the phone to either Stuart Lancaster or Alex Cuthbert. And either <laughs> either one of those would have told him, Mike Brown, don't play as an international winger. Hi, Alex Cuthbert speaking. Uh, what? You're playing who where? Uh, no, Eddie, no. Uh, it's, it, it, the whole thing is... and So, the other thing about it was George Ford, who actually did all right, to be fair to him. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Now, George Ford when he came off that field, was absolutely furious. Yeah. And that sort of made me think, this is more serious than, than we originally thought it might be. Because but if, if you, no, but Before you go on, if you just remember when we talked about the last game of the season with Leicester, Leicester yeah. um, thumping... Sale. Sale. Yeah. And, and how angry George Ford looked. And I think it, it doesn't mean he's annoyed. It just means he is... Focused. Uh, he he's really focused and out to and out to prove doubt was wrong and out to um, try and pull his sleeves up and try and grab everyone else by the scruff of the neck as well. Which is why it's so weird, because if it is like this festival of rugby and nobody cares, well that's fine. Eddie Jones called this a serious warm up game. Uh, the way that George Ford is behaving after the game, you could tell it really hurt that that was the scoreline. That he was part of a team that has conceded more points at home than any other England team. And yeah, oh, it was I hope a... every England player felt the same. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think they would do. But do you not think that's strange? What that they? What that they? They hate losing. No, the fact that they are so angry about their performance. So this is meant to be like basically like a testimonial style game. You know, barbarians as barbarians. But obviously, at some point, they must have really started to try and you know, you know those competitive fires must have burned, and yet they still got beaten up. And what they've those, got, those they've players, got they've got test test spots in South Africa to play for just over a year away from a World Cup. They yeah. all wanted to. Yeah, yeah. So, was sorry, that line. so yeah. So the point I'm trying to make is maybe you give them the benefit of the doubt and say, "Hey, it's an exhibition match. This is why you know they weren't playing so hard." But no, I don't look at that at all. Yes, not and no. I and, and and I agree with that, which is why I think it's so it's so serious that they got beat by sixty points. It, Sorry, they conceded 60 points. I, I, I agree. I do think it is serious they got beat by 60 points. And I go back to the... They got beaten partly by lack of effort, partly by lack of structure. And yeah, that that lack of structure against a Barbarians team is worrying. Because so, you, you should always have more structure and more control on the game against a Barbarian side. Yeah. Let's just go back to Ben O'Barno for a second. I mean, this is, a, this is quite a serious issue now. Because... 
Obviously, Ben O'Bono suffered a knee injury. Yep. Cam Redpath suffered a knee injury. Yeah. Uh, you've got the tragic events of Jones, S- Sam Jones. Yeah. All in England camp now. Um, I, I'm going to say sale sharks, but you know, <laughs> if you if you go on to their training training facilities, me and Tim were. Steve Diamond will tell you that they simply do not do do contact during training. Why you'd need to put your internationals through con- contact, I don't know. At the end of a long... I, so I, I agree with that. One interesting thing, there's been a lot on uh, injury studies recently. An interesting thing that came out of that was, I think it was 36% of all premiership injuries occur in training sessions. Mm. Now, we probably don't hear, because there's very few very serious ones like the like the Sam Jones, like the Beno Abano ones, but it's not it's not unexpected to get injuries in training. It is surprising at the extent of the injuries. Because I, yes. I, I simply cannot remember such bad injuries in training. No, as I've seen. As like Tim said before, like, what is going on? I, I I just can't think. I mean, there must have just been a, a load of a load of contact. Yeah, there is another. Um, can I say that? Yeah, there is another player <laughs> that I've heard of who is having. Some real serious re, um, re, uh, repercussions from England training. Who's no longer in, no longer in the squad, but he's come back. He's just simply not the same. Uh, okay. So whatever they're doing to him is that England good. team just looked to me like they could have been the ones that could have done with three se- three nights on the piss and agree- working out a fun try celebration. Yeah, Ag- agree with that. Yeah, and they should have should have approached it completely differently. Which is, you know, throw the ball around, you know, try things. You know, don't you know? Just oh, go have fun. It's that's a- what I did learn. That's what I did learn from um, uh, I, the, one thing I did uh, get that I think Bod suggested. And again, he might not have totally known, or but I, I get I got the impression that Leinster had two days of celebrating after the European Cup. That's right, they did actually two full days of really going for it, and then yeah. they um, went, and then and then you know with a big game five five days away they would have finished yeah then back to training on Tuesday apparently was the thing yeah but that training would have been light mm. it would not yeah. have been high intensity because they, they, they simply don't need it those finely tuned athletes at the end of a very long season where you've been playing domestic and international you just don't need that kind of workload and wear and tear on the body um, right sticking with England then this so, go on I was going to say I think there were a couple of positives okay um Elliot Daly at fullback being one. Now, yep. first it is the first game, or possibly the second game I've seen him play at fullback. I think it could be a long-term option. Um, it's interesting that Wasps have started playing him more on the wing, mm. um, and whether they'll now start playing him a bit more at fullback. Although it would ha- be hard to push out Willie Larue. I want. I still want to see him at thirteen. I think I'm actually really happy with him on the wing. I think he's so powerful. He, he he's does powerful, quick, direct. He's the best option within the England camp for a replacement for Mike Brown, in my opinion. Well, With, and I, I say within the England camp. Within the oh yes, okay, yeah, fine. Uh, I, I think I, I think Elliot Daly's problem is you know just basically what's happened with us three, three, three guys all watch rugby, all think he's better in different positions. Yeah, and it, the the curse of the multiple position player. Yeah, will always be a curse because you don't get the consistent. Exposure and game tape in one position. No, but he, was, he was a positive, and he'll be in the team every every game. Any other positives? Actually, uh, going through positives um, for England. Chris Ashton. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. Um, what are we going to do about that? Uh, nothing. Uh, my understanding, and there was a Chris Jones, uh, BBC Chris Jones article mm-hmm. on it, is the exceptional circumstances rule still exists. It can only be brought into um, contention when there are injured players of international experience. So Eddie Jones doesn't have a player of international experience within oh my God. to call and he, up. And he won't, he won't change it anyway, because it would... Think of the number of people that could have gone, like yeah, Sippers, yeah. for example. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So are you saying the Ben Obono injury was an accident? He was after a different <laughs> player? <laughs> uh, just one thing on that. I've, I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, like, but basically sort of feeling sorry for Chris Ashton, like he's been maligned and mistreated by England. He has. I, I just thought, like, let's just... I don't think he can have any complaints on his international career. He was picked in squads twice and then got banned and couldn't take part. But I think the bannings were harsh, you know, because I think... I don't I don't, I don't, don't disagree, but I'm, all I'm saying is it wasn't that he was just ignored. He, he was pulled into squads and then was ditched at a time when England were doing really, really well without him. And, and Carl Ferns did say it clearly last week. He said, I made my choice. Yeah, he knows the rules. Yeah. Chris Ashton will look at it the same. And he'd still harbour ambition, but he went to Toulon knowing full well that he wouldn't be able to play. There are rumours he wants to come back, though. If he he comes back and puts himself in contention... But the thing is, he was scoring tries for fun for Saracens. I know. I know. know. Is it worth him giving up the extra cash to come back over and not get in the England team? And he at, needs guarantees before he does at, at it. The, at the time when he decided to go to Toulon, everything was rosy. England were playing brilliantly. He and everyone was saying, yeah, he's going to go forward, but he is a liability in defence, as he did prove on a number of occasions. But, I mean, I, I'm I mean, not saying that's how I feel about him. But, but, but Saracens just, don't I, feel I that way, do they? It's like, it's like the, the way that people are spinning Chris Ashton like he's been so badly mistreated yeah. by... <laughs> no, I'm, I, it's, I, not, it's not I'm fu- how it is. I'm fully in that camp, actually. I do think he's been mis- mistreated. Uh, I also think... If Saracens don't have a problem with your defence, uh, you know, who who England to have a problem with it? Well, Gustard is a... Well, Gustard was England defence coach. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway... I, but but the other side of this game, like, the way that the... Yes, Bar- the way the, Barbarian, way the Barbarians played was magnificent. It is... They are such a brilliant institution within rugby. And seeing some of those players... Tuisova, Tuisova was ridiculous. Tuisova and Radrada are just incredible, and Victor Vito as well. Yeah, phenomenal. So the Radrada, yeah, semi Radrada should not be called semi anymore. It should be called full <laughs> full. Radrada. Yeah, he <laughs> full, his full blown Radrada. <laughs> his try where he—I don't know who the last person he was that he steps, but it's such a beautiful, well balanced step. I mean, it was it was spectacular. And also, apparently, Fiji want him at, want him at thirteen. Imagine how good Fiji are going to be. Oh, well, with with those two, two Silver and Radrada selecting to play for Fiji. Yeah, uh, it, brilliant, brilliant for the game. There's, there's, there's a French billionaire owner of a rugby club somewhere who's just going to say, "I want, I want that whole team, please buy them." <laughs> Do you know what? I don't know why a French billionaire, in the same way that a German billionaire bought the German team, doesn't go and buy the Fiji team. I mean, you won't need much money to do it. I mean, I, you know, you, you you probably find a few, you know a few people that fancy it. You want to chip in? Uh, not so much. <laughs> and then you could just harvest all the natural talent 
and have the most amazing international team. And I bet it'd pay you back in merchandise because it's such a cool story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, can, does anyone know the the celebration? Was there a was there an explanation for it? No, no idea. I've not seen one. I think that's just what you do when when you've scored sixty points. It's like a natural <laughs> reaction. It, it, there was a little bit of it reminded me of uh, Globo Jim's dodgeball team in the dodgeball film. Ah, yes. I, 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 the little cobra arm, like almost like Salt Bay at one point. <laughs> uh, who who else played well for the Buzz? I mean, everyone really. Uh, yeah, like, the Tipperick offload. Tipperick is... Oh, Tipperick. Oh, that offload was utter filth. That offload was unbelievable. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's built for Barbarians. He, he's ideal for it. Yeah, and Finn Russell. Perfect. Oh, I tell you what, I was devastated. Devastated that they pulled out AJ. Yeah. Absolutely devastated. Because, uh, don't get me wrong, but, Finn Russell is quite some player. But I think with AJ at the helm, there'd have been 70 or 80 points. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, Leglaw and Russell, uh, wait te- they've waited 10 years to beat England, and then they do it twice in three months. <laughs> yeah, true. God, yeah, those two were class, actually. Yeah. Uh, I, everyone, it's hard, the, to, it's hard to pick a bad all round. The offloads all were round. It was like, it's like someone's been messing with the physics and gravity and stuff at Twickenham. <laughs> I was, was a little suspicious of how many balls... I thought some of the balls might have gone a little bit forward on maybe three yes, of the tries. Oh, Let the boys play. 100%. Yeah, but the hand went backwards, even though the ball goes miles forward. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I guess, hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a good game, wasn't it? Because so many Barbarians games flattered to deceive. This this actually delivered. So more of that, please, Barbarians. Yeah, a couple of a couple of observations from it. I noticed. I love Dylan Hartley's halftime take when he was interviewed, saying, "Bearing in mind what we'd seen in the first half, Dylan Hartley's sort of stock answer that maybe he had in his head to say before the game, regardless of what happened in the first half." He said, "I'm expecting the game to open up in the second half." Twenty-eight thirty-five in the first half. How, how can it open up? Been a bit quieter so far. Um, and the other thing- you got you got the other thing was you got in the build up. Um, you could hear Jerusalem was played just before the national anthem, which I, I want that as the national anthem for England. That's that, it's like ordering a steak, just about to bite, have a first bite, and then having it taken away and being given a turkey twizzler, <laughs> serving up Jerusalem, and then God save the Queen. Yeah, uh, here's a question for you then, right? How much does this affect England? Because here's where my mind's at. My mind is. Eddie Jones, after an enormous defeat, he's not the best man under pressure anyway. He reacts badly. He punishes his team. Does this just make the atmosphere for the tour toxic? Or have I just misread that completely? Honest answer is I don't know. Because I don't know enough about Eddie Jones. Um, I know what he's like in the press. but And we hear rumours of what goes on in camp. But we don't really know. One thing I kind of... Hope it does is it shows him like the the ongoings of the last week show him that at least some of those players need to be managed need a rest and like partic- particularly really? particularly well not not doing uh, severe oh, not doing right. severe contact sessions that uh, puts a loose head prop out for twelve months yeah, Japanese, Ta- Japanese hammer training yeah yeah or trying to increase their fitness yes. by thirty percent nonsense isn't it it's yeah up, yeah agree. at the, Sorry, at the end of a, a long season. So I hope particularly the Saracens and Exeter boys spend a good two days on the piss, mm. then come into camp, then maybe spend another two days on the piss, and then start training. Yeah, so they've got two weeks, haven't they? Two weeks of Eddie to deal with now. Including what will be 
a, effectively a 24-hour travel to South Africa. To sober up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, they, if we see some sort of England-style revolt. And what I mean by that is, if he tries these um, ACL shredding techniques again, it wouldn't surprise me if these boys go, um, no, Eddie, no, we're not running back and forth so you can flog us and you know take one of us out and you know, then we're going to lose three games on the bounce. We don't, we don't know. We know how Sam Jones got his injury. We don't know about Ben Obano. No, we don't actually, and that is a good point. We don't. Um, last but not least, if my prediction of three 0 comes true in South Africa, do the RFU fire Eddie Jones? <laughs> um, I'm still of the opinion, no, no. Um, but it's not looking good. I mean, if he lost every single game between now and the World Cup, at what point would they fire him? I think it's good. I think it's if he loses three games, if he loses three nil, depending on how he loses those three games and how the players react to it. So if it's like three close losses, but everyone's really happy camp, he just about hangs on. If it's three losses and the players are like this is just not working for us, he goes. If it's if it's three losses by more than twenty points each game, then he he does go because that would really show. I I don't think that will happen. Actually, I no. can't. I just can't see that happening. Gonna, but the, who knows? They are going to lose three 0 I'm I'm certain of it. It's certain on the board. That. It's on the board. <laughs> what can we do? We will see, and then we can we can dissect that. But I I, I think he's he's there till the World Cup. Um, I think so. And according to his contract, he's there till beyond the World Cup to oversee the transition. I don't see that. Do you think that was the poison chalice when he signed that extension? That's when it all, like the rugby god said, no, no, not so quick. They did. They did the same to Stuart Lancaster just before the World Cup. Oh, England, when will you learn? Exactly. The richest union, the richest union in the world. Even if that coach does sign somewhere else, they've got the financial heft to unsign him and get him back. Do you think Eddie Jones is thinking? God, richest union in the world. I can't really be bothered doing another three years worth of work. Pay out. <laughs> if, yes. I, if I really screw up this team, I could get a mega payout for this and <laughs> and spend the next and three, Australia three years. Australia might win a World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> next three years on the beach, though. Oh, God, yeah. So if he goes, right, no word of a lie. If he goes, particularly if he goes around September or November, what perfect timing for him to take over Australia. I mean that is he's gonna he's gonna win a World Cup. It's not gonna be with England. <laughs> take over any team. Take over Fiji. Put it on the board. Yeah, Eddie Jones wins a World Cup with Australia. Now that is a prediction. Australia slash Fiji. I can't imagine the Fijian players <laughs> responding well to him. Can you? Uh, oh dear. Right. right. I, I tell you what. Let's have a couple of bits of news before we go into uh, the cup finals that happened. Then, firstly. Um, Sean Edwards, we don't need to talk about these so much. Sean Edwards is going to go to Dragons part time, which seems to rule him out of any possible role with England. I think he was one of the people being considered by Harlequins, um, but didn't get that because Paul Gustard did. Um, Joey Carberry having chats with Munster, he might be going there, which I think is amazing for Ireland because Byrne looks the most like Johnny Sexton of any other fly half in Ireland. I think he could end up being, we all thought Carberry was going to be the Sexton heir apparent I think it's going to end up being burned does it remind you a little bit of of Slade and Simmons possibly yeah because yeah. Yeah. the one thing I would say about Carberry is he can play in a multitude of positions mm. which, which may actually end up being his downfall I but, think he's going to end up at fullback he, he's too he's loose to fly a... half for me I, th- I think I think he's too loose 
that step around Hadley Parks. <laughs> you, made, you made Hadley yeah. Parks look like an absolute fool. Oh, who did um, who did John Matavesi step? Josh Matavesi. Josh Matavesi. Everybody, everybody. <laughs> and did you? There was his laughter kept getting picked up. Yeah, on <laughs> he went round an England centre. I was like, oh my word, that's that's good for a big man. Was it Francis? It could have been Francis. It was dynamite. Anyway, we've done that game, but that's, that's not the point. Uh, and and uh, World Rugby are, gonna, are, are introducing a, a tackle law trial with nipple height being the line of a high tackle. Yeah. Or the highest point of a legal tackle. Don't like it. So I'm Which is based based this is based on research which suggests this is how they're gonna gonna bring down the amount of concussion. So the it, the research shows that the tackler, not the tackled player, the tackler is most likely to have a head injury. Haven't we been speculating that is the case for a long, long time? Well no, there's been research that has shown that for right. for a number of years. Uh and also that uh, where the tackler goes higher up, there's more likely to be contact with shoulders or heads or other... Shoulder untoward... on head or head on head is what they're trying to avoid. Yes. Now, I think this is... So, I like that they're not just introducing this with no test. So, I, I'm I'm going to be curious to see the results of the trial and the evidence that comes out of this. Because I, I think it's it's not a bad thing to, to try and do. The bit that I'm worried about is just officiating it. And oh, I know it's I th- another law, and you're creating this greyer area. L- laws work well when they're easy to understand and easy to apply. Nothing worse than bad regulation. Oh, yeah, difficult to regulate. There is there is a comparison here. I would say that the, the "let the boys play" mantra is like free market capitalism. Ooh, um, and and where actually it, it finds its level. It finds its level. Everyone kind of understands, what, you know, what you can and can't do, and the the refs basically are the arbiter. What happens when you introduce more laws, which is like Uh-oh. introducing, trying to trying to um, uh, manufacture the system to have a certain outcome that you want? It just ends up you're just gonna. It, it's just harder to so the, administer, harder to manage. Is you're just gonna. It's so just the analogy you're looking for. So many more times. The analogy you're looking for is roundabouts yeah. versus traffic lights. Round, uh, roundabouts are nice and open and they sort of self-manage and people know what they're doing. Whereas traffic oh. lights go red, amber, green and they're an absolute nightmare and do nothing but cause ca- uh, traffic chaos. That is the difference. They're red, they're red when, when there's no one else on the road exactly. they still turn red. They are, I like that analogy. They are, they are, they are, they are inflexible. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, I don't like it. Don't want it to happen. But, you know, we're, I think we're fighting a losing battle in, in rugby. And I think there's a very dangerous game that they've started playing recently. They played it at the Pro 14 final called, I think it's X7s or X-Touch or something like that. Something weird. And so the rules go something like this. It's seven aside. You play half a pitch going up and down it. So, sorry, across it. Yeah. Right. You can tackle. I can't remember. You can't put them to the floor and you've got to tackle. Like tackle. Yeah, you've got to tackle below chest height. Uh, there's, there's a few. There's no pushing in scrums, I don't think. And it's these weird bastardi- bastardi- I can't say it now. Bastardization of the. I can't say, can't say it at all. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. These weird things that they're doing to the game, which are ultimately going to kill it. Because the point is, you do hit people. The point is, you know, it, yep. it, we can't. 
we can't keep on going down the road of touch because people like Alison Pollock show up occasionally with their fake studies. So I just I just don't like it. I don't like it one one bit. So I'd, I'd, I'd love th- them to ask players. I'd, I'd be really interested to see what players think. And and we have talked about this before. I just wonder if the unintended consequence is going to be uh, tackle coach. The coaching point is tackle lower on the nice, hard, solid hips and knees that the head will then come into contact with. Perfect. Yeah, ideal. Possibly. It, which is, I'm I'm interested to see the trial. Uh, and I, I like that they're not just introducing it. I think that's that's a good option. Um, Nip, nipple height's a weird one, though, isn't it? Like, to actually say nipple height, right, why not? Especially like, for women's arm, rugby. Arm, <laughs> armpit height. Yes. Because you can't, you can't see nipples on a... Or like, it's just a, it's just a bad... Place, a bad description of yeah I mean what what, what if I someone's had drastic it. weight loss <laughs> 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 well they could have done they could have done badge height because you obviously have on I'm looking around the room virtually every single playing shirt that we've got in the dungeon has two badges right about where your nipples now, are now, now I that, like well, the, I like where your head's at but I hate where Saracen's head is at so when they run out and like all the badges are like, yeah. <laughs> like across the stomach, because that's that's what they would do. Only badges on the socks, bro. Exactly. <laughs> um, the, Ameri- the American Major League Rugby in their first year, they did it. They had the line across. They did, didn't they? they? Had the line across from armpit to armpit. Mm. I just, nah, it's not for me. So it's not for me. So the, the, there are two interesting bits of news that uh, relate from that story. First of all, very quickly, Under Twenties World Cup starts on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's all live on live streamed on World Rugby's website uh, and Facebook, isn't it? Is it's it Facebook as well? Perpignan, isn't it? Uh, I'm not actually sure. I meant to look up where it where it's being yeah, played. Yeah, I think it's in Perpignan and that that little area of France. Oh, lovely! So Narbonne, Perpignan, and yeah. And it's always good because, as as we always see, Mario Toggi was playing it two three years ago. James Ryan was playing it a couple of years ago. There are so uh, what's his face? Was well, the Irish winger your Ulsterman? St- Stockers. Stockers. Stockers played Stormer. 15 it quite a bit. It does feel to me as if yeah. the Under-20s World Cup has really developed now into something where you do see the future stars. I mean, I, I know yeah, a lot, of, a lot yeah. of stars have played in the past, but they've, the pathways are so well developed now that if these guys are in England under, under-20s, under they, they will be good and they will not be allowed to, to fall through the cracks. So if there's someone there... You can guarantee that they're in for a big future. Yes, I think it's more. I think it's more the case that, that it's always been the case that the big players go th- through that, um, and there's you know all the biggest stars in the world pretty much have played there. But what's happening now is the transition from being a standout performer there and being a, a solid international player is only a year or two years. Mm. Um, in the same Stockdale and Geordie Barrett were the two players I saw that yeah. were the, the most standout in that in that year that they did it, in 2016? 15, 16, yeah. 15, 15 or 16. Yeah. Ooh. And the, the, the gap between that and uh, premiership level or even full international level is getting smaller. And one of the most incredible stats uh, is the England team that won, I think it was the 2013 or the 2014. Yeah, I know this one. The pack was heavier than the England te- England pack that won the 2003 World Cup. Uh, yeah. just, just staggering, isn't it? Amazing. Staggering. Um, so, yeah, World Rugby have, have got you back again. Go and watch all the games on their website. One um, last bit of news, which you've not mentioned. Uh, John well, Payne's had, re- had to retire. Well, yeah, that's the other bit. Like Coming on from the concussion piece and the lowering the tackle height, 
that is one of the reasons why I am keen to see uh, something done. And I, I firmly believe the law of unintended consequences and it will raise other issues, but I, I want to see a trial because Jared yep. Payne, after taking a head knock uh, for the Lions last year and suffering nine months of, or more than that, nearly 12 months of recurring headaches, has been uh, advised to retire for medical issues, which is a horrible story for anyone. Uh, dreadful for the game to lose such a good player, for Ireland and Ulster to lose another good player. Uh, so let's hope there's far fewer more of those. Hmm, quite. Uh, Pro 12... There were some finals! There were some finals! Yeah, I can't believe the Barbarians game has taken top billing. <laughs> I mean, it never usually would. But yeah, there have been some finals. It's because it um, fit the downfall narrative. It did, didn't it? Well, yeah. I kind of think that... Uh, rather than rather than us influencing international rugby influ- sorry rather than international rugby influencing us I think we are now influencing international <laughs> rugby do you think you're in Eddie Jones's head I think I am <laughs> I think he is done you know all the people all the people that come off Love Island and sell makeup and stuff and, and fake eyelashes they, they refer to themselves as influencers so you're, you're basically just the same as them you're a, you're well uh, did, did I tell you the story about when me and Phil re- met a real influencer. Oh, is this on the train? Coming, yeah. Coming back what was the... her name? Lauren? Oh, I've got no idea. So, yeah, her name was Lauren something, and she was on Real Housewives of Cheshire, right? <laughs> so we were, we were talking to another lady, and I can only describe the lady that we were talking to as, do you the, the larger lady from Bridesmaids? <laughs> like she said that she uh, owned a full... Melissa McCarthy. Is that the one? And she's saying, uh, yeah. the actual character though, she's like, yeah, I own an 18-wheeler truck and I'm a CIA operative. I mean, that's what this, this, this lady was like. And in the corner of our eye, there was another lady who was sat opposite us who was paying a lot of attention to our conversation. And I kid you not, right, she could have, the way she was dressed, she was either married to a retired footballer. Yeah. Or she was a single mother from Rochdale. There was who works in like a tanning salon. Yeah, yeah. There, there was there was no in between here, Tim. <laughs> like you, you literally couldn't tell the difference. And she wanted to muscle into our conversation so badly. Yeah. And the reason she wanted to muscle into our conversation was because she knew Danny Cipriani. <laughs> and she literally couldn't wait to tell us about. Oh, Danny was around my house the other day. Who? I was all oh, right. Who with? Ooh, I couldn't tell you that. Well, why bother telling us to start with? <laughs> if if everyone that knew Danny Cipriani could interject in your conversation, then you'd like Bod <laughs> never getting anything done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, that was um, yeah. She was an influencer, and do you know why she was in London? Uh, Influencing close. I can't remember to launch a brand of perfume. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Wow. And she knew nothing about perfume, it turned out. Yeah, surprise, wow. surprise. We, we've talked about walks in Wales and perfume influences before we've talked about Saracens being champions of England. Again. <laughs> how, how. <laughs> well, impressive game. Impressive game, the polar opposite in some ways to the Pro 14 final. And just shows, doesn't it, hit form at the right time. Oh, absolutely. And we we did receive a bit of flack for uh, criticising Saracens earlier this season. Mm. Um, Oh, well, just a few weeks ago. And I think um, just to defend that position, we said 
uh, by their re- standards, it, it was a relatively yeah. poor, or it had been a relatively poor season. Which I still think this it this had. It yeah had. it had it had this this does take the uh, it it improves that position that Saracens will still be very very disappointed with that period they had in the run up to Christmas and, and after Christmas and to not be able to defend their title properly in the Champions Cup, mm-hmm. but they have really hit their uh, their form at the right time. They've got their big guns back. This was just a superb performance. It's, it's a bit like Scarlets last year, who won. They won seven in a row to win the Pro 14. Saracens have won seven in a row, but they haven't just won it. They have taken everybody apart, including yeah. Exeter, who were never in the game. No, and it, it was fascinating. Well, in the first ten minutes, Exeter had all yeah. the ball. That first ten minutes was fascinating because it was at one stage it was ninety nine percent possession to Exeter. <laughs> They, Saracens simply did not have the ball. Yeah, and Exeter were they forced a couple of penalties. Uh, Simmons slotted one of them, but they were running to brick walls. They were getting nowhere, and they were they were playing sixteen phases, eighteen phases, and against any other team in uh, the Aviva, they would have been making yards. And against Saracen, they were they were getting to that stage, and Mako would put in a big hit and drive someone back. And then Marrow and Nikizika would put in a big hit and drive someone back. And then Billy would put in a big hit. And then Vincent Cork would put in a big hit. And they just found themselves going nowhere. It was fascinating to watch, wasn't it? Real good fundamental rugby. Because the, the, BT had the, had the gain line, uh, the little gain line graphic. And you're watching um, Exeter go through the phases, 19, 20 yeah, phases, something yeah. like that. And the, any other team, I would have been concerned that they couldn't break down Saracen's defence. But with Exeter, they seem to get the ground and then hold it. Get the ground and then hold it. It's so relentless. Uh, it wasn't until maybe back end of the first half when Saracen's really started to get the better of the collisions. Um, and then after all that pressure, Saracen scored two two tries in five minutes. Yeah, through... that's devastating. When you're playing that tight yeah, game. But that showed the difference, the, the, the clinical sort... difference between the two. Totally. And the cliche that quite often gets said is, oh, how tiring it is to be constantly defending. But it it looks so different with Saracens. They look, it looks like they're just letting the opposition punch themselves out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... Saracen. So I think there's an element that Saracens are fitter. And there's an element that they're... The way they play, the structures and their hive mind means that they don't have to run 30 yards to get to a rook. Mm. They, they, and they were very calm. Do you notice how calm they are behind the ruck? Yeah. Like they weren't competing for it. Totally. They were literally standing there, almost like the guys behind the ruck are having a breather. I mean, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're working bloody hard. But, the, you know, they're not Ben currying it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, totally. And, and, and I watched um, Mako for a couple of minutes at one point, and I was sat behind one of the sets of posts and watching the game. And, yeah, you're right in what you say. I mean, he, put, he did an unbelievable amount of work, rightly the man of the match, by a yeah. country mile. He was incredible. But he, not not a but to achieve that level of productivity he does do a lot he spends quite a lot of time walking which is just yeah. Saracens being really smart and streetwise yeah and you'll see guys him uh, him Billy who was not 100% fit he was still amazing but not 100% fit um, they they're in this system where they can get to their feet which they do very quickly assess the space and fit in anywhere and anyone can fit in anywhere mm. 
And it means that they don't have to... You don't get everyone uh, honeypotting around the rook or the collision. Everyone just fill, fills out, so they don't end up working as hard. It's, it's an incredible system, and they do it... They make it look so effortless. Yeah. Which, defending that onslaught of Exeter's big runners is not effortless by any stretch no. of the imagination. I, I, do you know what I thought? Exeter was slowly turning the tide, too. What, in that first half? Uh, maybe more maybe more in the second half. They had some good periods oh, in yeah, the second half. Yeah, when Steenson came on, they had a little bit of a lift. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I've got a question for you. So, the new record holder for the most Premiership titles is... Richard Wigglesworth. Wiggy. Correct. So, seven players have four titles. They all played for Wasps. Can you name them? Uh, yes, just so you know, we were meant to have a guest today. Okay. He can't call in because he's lost his voice. <laughs> uh, it was Richard Wigglesworth. Really? But we'll, but we'll get him later on in the season. Oh, that's a shame. And then he's off to um, Morocco or somewhere tomorrow. Very so, nice. Yeah, it's a shame, that one. Um, so, four players all come from Wasps. So, yeah, Richard Wigglesworth is now on his own with five titles. So Four they... with Saracens, one with Sail Sharks. Um but seven, uh, seven wasp players with a with a person that Wigglesworth was level with on four. So Delalio, Delalio, yeah, so obvious one, isn't yes. it? Yes, Lucy, correct. Van Gisbergen, ah, good one, correct. Nice. Um, uh, Fraser Waters, no. Um, hmm. when did wasp win the first Alex one? King, no. Am I uh, wa- Simon Shaw? Ooh, that's, that's a correct. Simon Shaw. Uh, what about? Oh, what's his name? Um, Kenny Logan. No, no, it's maybe a bit too early that one. Y- yeah, he won three. You've got to get them playing in the early two thousand and still playing in the. When, when did they win the last one? Two thousand nine, I want to say, or was it two thousand seven? Oh, Matt Dawson. No, no. There, there was there was one other man in the back row. Uh, Joe Worsley. Correct. Oh, That's course. five. There's two other guys which are hard to get. You're not going to get. No, them no, no, no. I am. Um, <laughs> right. What? Other, uh, what positions? Lock. Sorry. What? 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 What positions? There's a lock. Tom at Palmer. The Tom not pa- Tom Palmer. No. Not Tom Ooh, Palmer. Well, he's kind of lock back row. I think he was. He was. Paul Volley. Kind of. No. Uh, you're not going to get that one Richard Burkett Richard Burkett who <laughs> uh, uh, was it the centre uh, I reckon you might get is it um, Abbott no nope. uh, who on earth would it be centres for oh um, uh, Ayula Rinley correct yes. oh seven. nice good the seven. I would never have got Burkett in a million years to be fair no. <laughs> who <laughs> <laughs> Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies... I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. 
Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> oh, look. Um, Lauren Simon. That's our, our real housewife. Oh, you know, God. Oh, there you go. Uh, Look, you know, the, the point was made in commentary, and I thought it was really, really worth pointing out. There was only there was only less than a handful. I think it was only three men or three, maybe four Exeter players in the starting 15 that started in last season's final. Really? Say again. Yeah. There was only three men who started. It was either three or four Exeter players that started in last season's final that started at Twickenham on Saturday. So the, the point being... Staggering. Exeter have actually really evolved their squad over the last year. I can't even think who's got... Armand? It must be, yeah, Armand, Woodburn... Just getting the team up. Uh, so it was, uh, so Noel was one of them. Turner? But the, the team last time was Dolman, no. Noel, yes. Witten, no. Devoto, no. Woodburn, yes. Steenson, no. Townsend, no. Moon, no. Karen Dickey, yes. Williams, no. Dennis, no. Parling, no. Horseman, no. Armand, yes. Waldrum, no. That's amazing. That is remarkable. And you, you think of them as being quite a settled team, but clear, clearly just in that, they have evolved, like you say, Tim. Yeah, I, well, I can't. I, I don't lay claim to being the one that clocked it, but um, so Exeter, I think what they've done is, is deepen and strengthen their squad. They're, they're definitely thinking about battling on all fronts and that's that's one measure of it um and so i, I was sort of thinking after saturday oh god the, the, the bubbles kind of burst for them what how are they going to react to this but actually that stat alone makes me think no 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 they are yeah they're going to be they're going to be perennial challenges yeah, yeah i think you're right they will just like they did when they lost uh three years ago to saracens in the final and then went on and won it next year they'll learn they'll get stronger as a group and they will improve because that is the Exeter way. Every every year they're a slightly better version than they were the previous year. Yeah, I think next year their big focus is going to be on Europe rather than domestic titles. I think I think they'll want to be fighting on both. And the, the strength of that squad, the, the difference mm. between those two squads and the strength they have, probably shows that. Yeah. Do you know what, how, what, would it be really that difficult to have a Pro fourteen Premiership final like next week? I mean, it would now with a week to go. But would it really be that hard in in the future? Like a almost like a, a charity uh, charity shield type game. I'll tell you where the problem lies, and it's it's the global calendar. Because to do that, you've either got to extend the summer tours by a week, mm-hmm. which is eating into players' rest, mm-hmm. or reduce the summer tours, which would be unpalatable to the. Uh, Rugby unions, yeah, the national. But unions. I would want to see that game though. Well, we, we I mean, s- I've never seen it before, but I want to see it again. <clears throat> we saw it a few weeks ago, but I say a few weeks ago. We saw it a, a couple of months ago when it felt like Saracens were tired and a bit more depleted. 
I'd love to see it now though. Now it would be it'd be interesting. I still think that Leinster would win. Yeah. Um but, but, yeah, well talking talking about extended seasons, hasn't the French top pro top fourteen just started its first round for next season? <laughs> <laughs> uh we did well, a final next week, and then they'll then they'll then the week after that they start. Next oh, I, I I thought they'd now started started the first round before the final of the last season. <laughs> well, yeah, which means that the, those playing in the final need uh, they've got to play catch up like midweek games. Yeah, exactly. Because you, well, I mean, we're paying them enough. <laughs> uh, so there were the the two games this weekend. Montpellier hosted uh, our beloved Leon. Yeah, Carl Ferns is beloved Leon, and maybe the Leon of a few other Englishmen too. I said, I'd said hosted again. Carlton just explained to us just the other day that it was not Montpellier hosting, even though they were technically the, the home team because they were higher ranked. They got a bit of a beat, beating, though, didn't they? It was 40 points to 14. Yeah. So it's, one, it was one-way traffic. Yeah. Uh, and Racing 92 played cast, and Racing lost to cast. Did they? They did. They did not know that. They, wow. they did. So we got the final Montpellier play cast. Racing had a poor season then. I mean... It's such fine margins. Oh, uh, it is. It is fine margin. It's low, low scoring fourteen nineteen game, which means that Montpellier play cast in the final, and you you would assume that the the absolutely enormous Montpellier mm. will win that. Oh, now as we're talking about French rugby, uh, I understand that Olding signed for Brief. He has. Is this is this on all the official news channels now? It is. Yeah. That's broke, broke this blood, afternoon. Bloody good signing. Uh, in Pro de Deux, he'll be playing next season. Uh, which, I, th- I think that's almost perfect for him. To get yeah. a, a couple of years completely off the radar, certainly out of any English press. He won't be playing in Europe against any uh, English-Irish uh, teams. I think it's exactly the right thing for him. Uh, no word on Jackson. So, so having said on numerous occasions that there's there's no chance of signing, when does Paddy Jackson get unveiled at sale then? Well, <laughs> this is the funny one, isn't it? So, well, I don't, Jackson, I'm saying that very flippantly. I have no idea. So I don't know. Jackson was the one who was available immediately. Alding, there's some weird stuff going on with his Irish contract. So it was delayed. But, uh, yeah, I wonder where Mr. Jackson's going to go. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Mm. I, I, I hope it's France or Japan. I hope it's sale. I, I, I hope <laughs> it's sale, right? Because there's one thing having to leave Ulster, and we've been very, very vocal on that. He should have had to leave, but it's another thing trying to stop him from making a living in top flight rugby over here. And if he wants to go to Japan, more power to him. But if he wants to come here, he should be allowed to. Oh, I think he's allowed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, can, he can play 12 outside uh, AJ McGinty. Uh, no, I'd bench. Think, bench behind. <laughs> no, I mean, look, uh, ultimately... Sale are going to be fighting on multiple fronts next year, namely the Anglo Welsh Cup if it still exists, or the Cup. It's the Premier. It's the Premiership Cup. The Premiership Cup. The Welsh sides are in it. And uh, yeah, you know, AJ McGinty's going to need to be rested. So Paddy Jackson is more than welcome to fill his shoes <laughs> on those weekends only. <laughs> and of course, AJ will be playing for USA a few times a season. Exactly. Yeah, I guess it frees up AJ to do things like barbarians more. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, at USA. So I'm okay with that with that angle of it. Uh, before we leave the Premiership final, uh, we we should definitely mention Scout Brits. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What an unbelievable player that man has been. He's not ready to retire, is he? He doesn't look it. I he's, mean, he's going to he's going to Oxford University. I heard. 
Is he? Yeah, I did see that because he, he's hoping to play in the varsity game. But that's not really retired then, is it? <laughs> By anyone's standards. Now, I wonder, I wonder where he might have got the idea that playing for Oxford University might be good fun. <laughs> I wonder if that Philadelphia trip had anything to do with it. That's a good point. So, not to regale you with more tales, Tim, but uh, Premier, Premier Rugby uh, obviously had all their sponsors over in USA. And the Philly game was obviously Newcastle versus Saracens. But the opener to that was Oxford versus USA Combined Colleges or someone? It was, yeah, it was like East Coast, uh, yeah. Which, by the way, combined. nobody told us. Did, did you know that was happening? No, we didn't. I, I didn't see a single bit of evidence of that. Which is astounding, isn't it, that we sit down and talk about rugby every week. We, we pumped up the game. We tried to promote we, as much as we can. And we didn't know. We were accredited media at the game. Yeah. We didn't know. Well, one of us was. I wasn't. Oh, yeah. Cause... Somehow. <laughs> so they gave me a blank badge. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah. So Premier Rugby then decided to take all of their sponsors over to the oldest Irish bar in town or some such thing. And as we get in, all the Oxford... All the Oxford players are standing on chairs, these future captains of industries and prime ministers, and they've managed to drink the, the entire <laughs> premiership bar tab before the sponsors arrived. <laughs> before any of the Saracens or Newcastle, or Newcastle didn't really go out. No, I didn't see a single, a single Newcastle player. Oh, except for Don Waldock, who was playing for Oxford at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was incredible. We got there, it was supposed to be free booze. Oh, the Oxford boys have drank all of it. Oh, right. Well, we'll just move on. In, enough for an entire TV production crew <laughs> and two two professional rugby teams. Yeah, that's a, oh, and, and sponsors. They're, they're on a jolly. Yeah. 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 So Oxford. Sing, so I, I wonder if that's got any effect on where uh, Scout Brits is going to go next. <laughs> so it's just a, a, a. Obviously, I find myself on some match days in a, in a very privileged position, but just just well, it's the measure of the man. I think it comes across on TV the way he is. But so Scout Brits about to play in a Premiership semi final. Um, his last game at Allianz Park, and he runs out to he runs around to go and do his warm up, and I'm getting ready to do some little bit to camera, and you can see that I'm not actually on. So he he, he strolls over, taps me on the shoulder, shakes my hand, says, "How are you doing? Um, nice weather today, isn't it? Have you got some sun cream? Like, you know what I mean? And How are you doing, babes? You're, you're, you're a you're about to go and play a game, but the, and I'm not saying, and he did that with everybody, whether it's the the, the stewards. He's he's an, he's an incredible human being. I mean, it really I, is. I love the my best, my favourite thing about um, Scout Brits is he's always smiling. Yep, when, even when, when he was punching Owen Farrell yeah. in the Barbarians, he was smiling. He was smiling more than I've ever seen him smile, and he's a very smiling man. That's a lot. <laughs> whether he is whether he is running in a try. Uh, stepping for defenders or punching anyone, be yeah. it his own teammate, in the head in in, in an exhibition game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that tallies up with everything I've heard about him. Mean, he sounds like a, a lovely guy, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, spectacular human being. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just sad to lose him, but glad to have had him. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. And, and what I love, what I love about you know, and a lot of people like to knock Saracens. Oh, they're they're just. Uh, they're boring or whatever, or, or they're all these things, or they talk about salary caps and stuff. But if, if um, I, I tr- Scout Brits is a kind of a character reference you should trust, as is Scout Burger for that matter, and all these other you know r- really so amazing characters. My coolest memory 
of Philadelphia. There were three players in Saracens. I can't remember who the third one was because the first two were so spectacular. Uh, but it was it I, I'm it was Marcelo Bosch, it was Skunk Burger, and it was somebody else sitting at the bar. Was it Figolo? It, it might have been Figolo. It was one of the international lads. Um, all drinking what I remember to be whiskeys or shorts. Yeah, like bourbon. Bourbon, watching the boxing. I was like, oh, they're so cool. They yeah. are so cool. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you had the younger lads, Good and Maitland and Itoji, strutting around, strutting uh, their stuff. Yeah. Uh, the only guy who didn't really network around much was Farrell. He was exactly, he's exactly as he as he seems. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I didn't um, see him. Yeah. Jamie George after the game, and this is one thing I hope it never lo- we never lose it from rugby. But on the on the BT Sports stage after the game in the in the West Car Park or the West Fan Village, um, Jamie George and Sean Maitland, great mates, came out yep. with the trophy, stood on the stage to sort of you know show the trophy to the fans, and, and Jamie George um, belted out, sang a song. He just got up there and sang the Gambler to the crowd, and they were all singing the chorus with him. It was I was just thinking like with the Champions League final that night, you can't imagine had Liverpool won it. Well apparently you know, well uh, apparently um Jurgen Klopp was out until six in the morning. Klopp maybe. Any of the players? No, no. not so much. <laughs> not so much. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, so the last thing on on that final then we can move move on to Len- the spectacular Leinster is any any more doubting that Alex Good should be playing for England? Oh he was brilliant. He was so good. Yeah. And the, the way he comes in the line and distributes. And I'll, I'll tell you, actually, an interesting matchup. Oh, will you? I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, the two outside centres. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, if you're going to play only one 10, and that 10 be Farrell, but you want another ball player, either of these two is a good option. And I, my view, I thought Lazowski outplayed Slade. 100%. And so Lazowski, right, is a bit of an idiot. And what I mean by that is the way he plays, he might be a lovely guy in person, but the way he plays, you can almost see how he like hits people and he maybe like drives them maybe a yard further back and he always finishes his tackles. He's always got something to say. He's an idiot in the way that you love someone on your team to be an idiot. Uh, I think he's a magnificent player. And also he's super direct. People don't think about him like that. He's super fast and he's super direct. He cuts a hard line or he goes on the outside. He puts his foot down. He's gone. Great runner. Great stepper. Good hitter, as you said. His hitting is brilliant. And can kick and distribute. Yeah. And also, I think it's telling that he doesn't play like a distributor at 13 at all. But he can do it. Yeah, he can do. And he doesn't need to because you've got Farrell there. You then got Good who comes into the line as kind of first receiver when Farrell's not there. But Saracens have these uh, forwards, Mako being one, probably the, the best at it, or, or Jamie George as well, who can stand in first receiver and distribute. Mm. So he doesn't need to. He can I, do I think, what he does very well in the wide channels. I think that's almost you know, that's almost a sign of how good he is because it takes quite a lot to limit yourself or change yourself into a different sort of player. And too many guys that play 10 uh, will then go and look to be the playmaker. And he just does that 13 job so well. I'm a, I, in fact, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was thinking about him on, the, on, on Saturday thinking, you know, that guy should just do 13 now. Yeah. Forget everything else, just do 13. Yeah. In the same I'll way... See, it, I, go on. Uh, what, one player that really did impress me and I want in the England team starting 15 is Jack Knoll. And to achieve that, I would move, as I said earlier, I'd move daily into 13. So, hmm. I think I would go with Barrett, 
Lozowski <laughs> and Good, all in the positions that they started on the final for England. And Chris Wiles and Maitland. Uh, yeah, why not? But but why? It was seriously. Well, why not? <laughs> I know. I mean, and then uh, it's a straight fight between those three tens: Sippers, uh, Sippers, Ford, and Farrell. Who starts, boys? Uh, Farrell. Do you reckon Farrell every yeah. every time? Every time. Yeah, I yeah. think I think so. I mean, I, I tend to edge towards him, but <laughs> you know that 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 is in, that is England's combination. It'll never happen. I, I just think uh, at a time when we're struggling, and it, and it's not returning to type, but it. it Kind of the the English way, the Carling Guscott, Tyndall Greenwood. Yep. That that might be the formula. So Farrell. A bit old though, mate. <laughs> a, 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 a big bruiser, and then a, and then Daly, who's like the electric outside break. That that I think that's my that that's, that's where I. So you're, you're talking about times. Barrett Lazowski then? Well, I, well, because Greenwood was never the electric outside break though. No, he wasn't. He was a good runner. But he was also the distributor kicker. Yeah, so Tyndall was obviously the, the. In fact, when did they have an electric outside back? Uh, uh, like thirteen, Jonathan Joseph, before like, Guscott, I guess. Uh, that's a long way before. That's twenty years before. But John, like, who was Jonathan Joseph? Who was your electric thirteen that you can think of? Uh, well, it, the thirteen that played in the two thousand seven could have been an electric. Are you talking Tate, Matt Tate? Mm. But he never never made it at never that it. level. Yeah, I. Mm, I Daly is probably a little no. Actually, you know what? Daly's not he's as complete. As... Rugby, he's got a great rugby brain. He's he tough. Does. He's good. He's good at decision making defensively. He's I kick. I I'd... actually think. Give me a choice of Lazowski or Daly at thirteen. I'm thinking now. I'd probably go with Lazowski. I as long as you get Daly either on the wing or at fullback. On, on the wing, good on the other wing. Johnny May on the other wing. Sorry, uh, good full, uh, fullback. Yeah, I, I think the so, so you, you leave Jack Noel out of your fifteen. <sighs> Ooh, no, you can't. So I, I just don't think you can. No, I, don't, I think I, I think the I think the combination which best replicates two thousand three, if that's what you want to do, is uh, Tio at twelve. Uh, is is Farrell Tio and either Slade or Lazowski? Well, and so, I, I, on that performance, I'd go with Lazowski. Yeah, so you're actually wrong on that, Phil, because if you want to replicate two thousand three, two thousand three, you need a Will Greenwood, and the only guy who I can think of who's like Will Greenwood even remotely, and I don't think. Even this is a very good comparison because he's so unique. Is uh, Oli Devoto possibly so Devoto and Teo? The most like Greenwood might be someone like Malinder. There you go. That's a uh, great one. So Although Malinder's much faster than Greenwood. Yeah, he probably is much much faster. You need someone yeah, slower. That's just that's just if you're looking for a tall person. I know. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I have, I've got it. Sam James. <laughs> he's, he's not particularly fast. He's very, very skillful. He's not particularly strong. Uh, and the the most prevalent missed tackler in the whole of the yeah. Premiership. There yeah. we go. But but is he more like Greenwood than uh, Mullender? I'd say he is. <laughs> and who's anyway? The... We can we can save this conversation. But but I uh, yeah I, I think that there's an argument to be had in that in that midfield. But Eddie Jones. Picking we'll some James. Triple, tri- triple down. We will continue that discussion on next week's pod when we're picking our England starting lineup. Yes, yep. quite right. That would be the appropriate time to do it, Phil. Yes, right. Finally, let's get let's get to it because we have neglected somehow the best team in Europe. Yeah, and do you know what the, the evidence for that is with Leinster that they have literally beaten the best this season. So Montpellier, as you highlighted, are probably going to be champions of France. Yeah, um, beat them twice. Exeter, 
Exeter finished top of the table in their in the uh, Aviva Premiership. Beat both them, of those were twice. in Leinster's pool, yep. and they beat both. Yeah, beat both twice. Sar- Saracens won the Premiership, and they beat them in the knockout stages. Yeah. So they, they have beaten all comers. And Scarlet's last year's winners, uh, they beat Glasgow, who t- were the highest point scorer, um, the highest league point yep. scorer in the Pro 14 this year. So, they, yeah, yep. they have repeatedly beaten the best. But, JB, Benetton beat the double champions of Europe. Uh, that's exactly where I was going next, actually. Uh, yes, uh, Dean, uh, Dino Burden, the crew, uh, went, went down there and absolutely hammered them. So we're saying that Benetton have beaten the team that have beaten, that all, have the beaten all the others. So Benetton are European Champions Cup and Pro 14 winners. I don't think there's anything... Partic- North, Northern Hemisphere's best club rugby side. So and Benetton probably have... Uh, at least a dozen, maybe more, Six Nation winners' medals as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything particularly controversial about that either. So yeah, congratulations to Benetton. <laughs> well done, boys. <laughs> and you are again demonstrating why you are an influencing influencer. I in am. Rugby. And I don't. I don't mind. I don't. Yeah, I don't like blowing my own trumpet, <laughs> but occasionally I will. Uh, I am the Lauren. What's her name? Simon. I am the Lauren Simon of rugby. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what, uh, my thought on the final is it, uh, fantastic for Leinster, but I just wish more people would have occasionally reminded me how many games of professional rugby James Ryan has won or lost because <laughs> it hardly ever gets a mention. Well, I, it was cool when Atodji was doing it, but I'm just not into it now. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, I mean, very strange, very strangely similar careers actually. Yeah. Yeah, very... Won everything within 12 months and then carried on winning. Um, Yeah, so the only thing uh, which is more impressive than Leinster's power game, which is equally as good as Exeter's, probably a bit better, is their intelligence. They are amazing. And I'll tell you what highlighted it for me was they somehow looked at the Scarlets and thought, oh, Scarlets, um, where's their weakness? Oh, I know, fullback. And they just peppered Lee Halfpenny for the first half. If it wasn't on, the right decision was made. They'd, uh, they would they, they would hoist it up. They've got this young kid, Lama, uh, chasing everything. He made the lives of both Halfpenny and uh, Steph Evans, who basically was last year's Jordan Lama, um, <laughs> just an absolute nightmare. And he only signed a contract like two weeks ago or something ridiculous. So um, it was it was amazing. It was absolutely absolutely astonishing. And I said this before about Leinster, but I love how much they value older players. So the backline could be super exciting. It is super exciting. Let's not you know let's not take any away from, away from it. But you know, N- uh, Nathewa, uh, Sexton, um, Car- Carney, Carney. You know, well, super smart. That's what makes it so good is the blend, and they yeah they blend at the right time. It feels they make the right decisions, and you because you need you can't just have youth. You never win anything with kids. No, it's true. <laughs> As uh, Alan Hansen once famously said about the uh, early '90s United team. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they they get that balance right. So you've got the experience who know when it's not on, when to put the boot on the ball, and the youth who can execute like Lawmore did. Yeah. Um, oh, what a what a ridiculous bit of skill! The pick up. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the, about that. The, oh. the James Lowe try as well. The James Lowe finish after the Sexton incredible hands. And then 
Yeah, do you know what? Two of the most impressive players on the pitch, James Lowe and Johnny McNichol as well for Scarlets, yeah. who, who will be in, in no time at all lining up for Ireland and Wales respectively, just just as they dreamed they might when they were growing up in New Zealand. <laughs> I don't think you're right there, Tim. I think Johnny McNichol's going to move on. Really? Really? Yeah, I've heard some rumours about this. He, um, not particularly happy with, with his money, apparently. He probably would have come over not on the most amazing deal. No, so um, maybe looking for something else. I think I think they'll uh, Wales will take care of him, and he, and it will take him a whole. Well, he'd have to. It would be five years now to move country and play international rugby. So, um, and and you know, and but he's always dreamt of playing for Wales. When he was chatting to his New Zealand grandparents and parents when he was growing up in New Zealand, he. he I'm you know, sure. Why is he just going to play for Scotland right now? <laughs> I mean, there's no way he's not got Scottish ancestry, is, is there? Oh, totally. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, you don't even need to uh, go through the check. Just check. You just say you're from New Zealand. They let you play. Yeah, so yeah. maybe there's a swap to be done here. Wales take James Lang, who does qualify for for Wales, and in return, they send him Johnny McNichol. Seems like a fair oh, trade. I think, quite, I think they'd be quite happy with that trade. Sure, Mi- surely uh, Hugh Jones should be playing for Wales as well. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Hundred percent. Just on the the name rule alone. Yeah. Well, yeah. There should be a rule for name. I'd be up yeah. for that. If you called Hamish McDougall, you can play for Scotland no matter where you were born. Exactly. So, I actually think. Sh- um, well, Shin- that, that's how Piers. That's how Piers Francis got his <laughs> got, got his uh, English uh, yeah. um, caps because uh, they just assumed he was um, of well-bred stock. Exactly. Well, from I'm, the home counties. I'm almost certain that Aaron Shingler nearly played for Scotland. One of the Shingler boys played under twenty. That's right, they did, didn't they? And then they got yeah, they, caught he, he by a couldn't capture because ball. of that ridiculous under twenties capture. Yeah, so they went, went on scrap. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about slots for a minute because it was an interesting game. Leinster were—I mean, Leinster can be anything, really, can't they? They can be—I'm not sure what actual Leinster play looks like. They do an impression of a really, really good Exeter team whenever they need to. Um, they can kick the corners, they can do kind of some Saracen stuff, and they went into second half, and then all of a sudden, Scarlet's went incredibly scarlety. And for, like, for the last, what, 10 minutes, I mean, it actually, it wasn't the last 10 minutes, because that final try made it look a little a little bit more, compa- um, more yeah, competitive. Yeah, the final two tries did in the last few minutes. Yeah, but then Scarlet's actually start, started to take the games in a bit, bit more. Yeah, but it, I can't help but feel that it, it was already done. It was done and dusted, and it if was. if Scarlets had got within even touching distance, with more than a couple of minutes to go, Leicester would have just turned it back on and scored another try. Yeah, it did feel a little a little well, bit that way. I'll tell you the most Leinster thing is the Sexton wraparound. Oh, yes, it is. Which for one of the first times ever, actually, smashed him. Actually got spotted, and Scott Williams saw it, called it. And nailed him, absolutely nailed him. What, what, do you reckon, what do you think is going through Scott Williams's head? Like, what's this? What's he doing? <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. I've seen it. I've seen this before somewhere. <laughs> uh, uh, but where? <laughs> go, go, go. <laughs> First man in history. <laughs> now, did I hear, because I haven't been able to watch and check my facts on this, so I, I want to point out that I'm saying this and I may be misrepresenting someone. Okay, so this may not be factually correct. Doesn't it matter, mate. Though. Did Stuart Barnes describe a player as gesticulating like a crazed Latino? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. You see, what, you see why I was trying to be, I was being a bit sensitive about, yeah. about saying it. Because I may well be badly misrepresenting someone. So this, I am not saying that happened. Well, I mean, okay. All right, all right, all right. Can I ask you a question, right? Do you have a mental image of what a crazed Latino looks like? Uh, A gesticulating crazed Latino. Do you have, does that conjure up any kind of mental image to you? Not to me, it doesn't. Well, nothing. Nothing. Tim? You're just, you're being politically correct there, aren't you, Phil, saying no. I mean, to me, it's a Um, very, very clear clear description. I like it. Play on. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. Look, there's a, I've just look, I've just searched, and there's a. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh my God! Did you hear that? Let me turn it up. <laughs> oh, good God! Oh. It, it did happen then. Yeah, fine. Um, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, uh... <laughs> now you know. Now you know it's. True. Well, it conjures up a certain image, yes. Uh, wow. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to mention that because, well, we've just mentioned it, I guess. Uh, surely nothing. No, that'd be fine. Um, uh, hang on. Were they just gesticulating like a crazy Latino? <laughs> I go back to my point. How, how does... How would a crazy Latino gesticulate in a way that any other person wouldn't gesticulate? Mm. I feel bad. For, I feel bad for throwing uh, for bringing it up. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, be seen to, I, and I'm not trying to throw a, 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 a fellow professional or fellow rugby lover um, under any sort of bus. Under a Latino so, bus. <laughs> but, I, but, I but I mean, back, we are happy to throw all Latinos under a bus. Yeah. <sighs> oh, what have you done, Tim? Right. Uh, right. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> Um, Sorry. So Leinster, um, do you <laughs> yeah. know that they used yeah, Leinster. 55 players, was it, this this campaign? The beauty of the Pro 14, having the easier games, does allow them to do that. And it allows them to blood players, as, as which is a point we've made, we've made previously. Yeah. Well, Brian, but... Driscoll, Brian Driscoll's own words. Yeah. Brian Driscoll's own words. And bear in mind, it could be the case that I asked him when he was on a stage in front of loads of fans of the premiership but he said he said the premiership is the toughest competition when you when you look at a competition in terms of over the course of a whole season week in week out i don't know anymore is the answer oh, i i i agree with that no i i used to be very very certain of it i'm not entirely sure that is the case now i think it's easier for leinster right so here's what i'm trying to say if you have a normal size squad, yeah. like a like, premiership, like sales squad, right? 30, 32 players in that squad with some kids, right? The Pro 12 or the Pro 14 will be just as hard as the premiership will be. Because you've still got to play every week. If you want to get, get into Europe, you, you can't take weeks off. So for the Dragons, for everyone else, it's bloody hard. For Leinster, it's not hard because they've got 55 players. So well, they, they can well, rest. That, that, and therein is the absolutely incredible success story is the number of youngsters that have been produced by that province that they have nurtured brought through got up to speed and have made an impact on at first team level it's phenomenal uh, it's uh, there's n- we've never seen anything like it before saracens not saracens don't not, provide not to this degree i mean the the island squad for the um the six nations I'd wager it was fifty percent Leinster. Yeah, fifteen plus players. Yeah, but you could look at like 
uh, and I'm, maybe I'm just being a little bit argumentative for the sake of it now, but, you know, J- Jamie George, Mako, Billy, Cruis, uh, uh, oh, Atoji. Yeah. Half a dozen. Ezekwe. Six, six, seven, eight. Farrell. Oh, no, 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 no. And, and that has Barrett. been... When we give credit, when everyone <laughs> else is trying to say... When everyone else has been saying Saracens have bought the title, we have always shone yeah. a light on just how many young players they've produced, not just for Saracens, but that have gone on to, to, to be international performers as well. Mm. No, look, I'm making an argument for sake of it there. You're right. Uh, Leinster, it's, the whole thing's amazing, isn't it? The whole setup is amazing. I was looking at them celebrating uh, in the change room, and I, I seriously think that they are uh, they are on track for a World Cup. I mean, how can they not be? I bet they wish the World Cup was this September, not next year. Well, yeah, part of me thinks they would like to do it now. The other part of me thinks, here, what, what if you give uh, Andrew Porter an extra year? And Jordan Lama and all these other boys. Uh, it was exactly fifty percent of the the squad for the Six Nations. Eight, Eighteen out of thirty six were Leinster. Nice. nice. Oh. Yeah, pretty, pretty. And that's pretty without good. Sean O'Brien. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you think yeah. this Le- this Leinster vin- vic- victory should be tinged with a, a slight bit of sadness? Nasewa, no. Nisa Nasewa. I mean, no. obviously, him. No, because he went out. At the very top of his game, double, blah, blah, blah. You couldn't ask for a better way to send send him off. So, no, great. When it's so good, it can only go downhill. I mean, it can't continue to get better and better and better, can it? Uh, not better, because what else have they got to win? Exactly. Unless they're going to start competing in the World Cup as Leinster. Well, which they kind of do. They just dress in green. <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen, I'm going to have to uh, just go for go briefly. I'll call you back in a bit. Okay, I'm still going. So, uh, we'll, we'll... All right, sorry. All right, cool. Bye. Bye. Well, I'll tell you what. Take it home. Take it home. It's ten o'clock. I've just realised. I've. Um, I mean, it's. I mean, it's midnight. Well after my. <laughs> go. <laughs> um, anyway, you you get the picture. If I, I'll call you back if I can. If not, no worries. Cool. Bye bye. Nice one. Sorry. <laughs> God, he works what, hard, doesn't he? Wonder what he's doing at midnight. I don't know. God, God knows. Uh, we've in, got... the, in the shipping container, all alone. Yeah. In, in the middle of nowhere. Putting out a Virgin Radio show. I have no idea what <laughs> goes on. Uh, what games have we got on next week, Philip? Um, well, I meant to look up. So there's only one game, which is the Wales-South Africa game in uh, Washington. What time does that kick off? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It'll probably be evening. Nice. Because they're six hours behind, aren't they? Or five hours behind, something, something like, like that. that. Something like I've that. I've been drinking there a few times, I'm sure. Sure, we could work it out. East Coast drinking. Exactly. The best kind oh, of Oh, are they Washington, D.C. or Washington? Washington, St- D.C. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, not not West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that game. Then there is, I'm going to look up the under-20s schedule. There's also top 14 final, though. Oh, yeah, there is a top 14 final, which will be Montpellier versus Cast. Which will also be Saturday night. Yeah, Perfect. which will be one-way traffic. Uh, so, on Wednesday, mm-hmm. we have uh, ooh, our time. So, yeah, it's in Perpignan. Perpignan, Narbonne, Bézier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 5.30 Wednesday, South Africa, Georgia. We also have England versus Argentina at 5.30. Uh, and Scotland versus Italy. Well, England versus Argentina should be an interesting game. Yeah, I mean, I know nothing about the squads. I mean, I know a bit about the England squad, but I don't know who Argentina are bringing over. Do you have the man to follow for all this? 
Alex Shaw. Alex Shaw on Twitter. If you want to know anything about under under twenties rugby, Alex Shaw Shaw on 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 Twitter. Don't ask us. Don't listen to us because we don't know. <laughs> Simple as that. But when we watch, we'll give you our reaction to it. The other game. So there is eight pm kickoffs as well, which is New Zealand versus Japan. One way traffic. Uh, Australia versus Wales would be interesting, and France versus Ireland should also be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. I imagine the whole French team is basically Polynesian and uh, <laughs> massive. <laughs> uh, so there you go. There's those games. Excellent. And Wales, South Africa, any views on that? Uh, well, it's a weakened South Africa team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've announced the squad that's travelling, and it's not a full squad. Faf's going? Uh, I don't think Faf's going to South Africa. Is he not? Brains. I think he's going... To sorry, I don't think he's going to America. I think he's going straight to Joburg to prepare for England. Get in. I think. That is do you know correct. what they should do? Do you know what the ultimate play is now for South Africa? Uh, start Faf in every position. Start Faf. Obviously, something else as well. Uh, sell Elton Yantes to Ulster. That's not happening apparently. Uh, no, it's pick John O'Ross. Yeah. Don't wait around. Get John O'Ross on a plane. He's one of the best back rows in England. He can deal with most things. Great player. And also, it just pulls a rug from under England somewhat. That would be my play. So, Faf is not going to the USA. That's great news. Elton Yantes and Jesse Creel are. Wow. Uh, Kerwin Bosch is, just looking at the backs, uh, my Pimpy my is going. It's, it's quite a, it is a weakened team. It doesn't sound particularly weak. In fact, it sounds pretty exciting. Well, there's a couple, but there's quite a few names who are not first choice. Who's in the pack? Uh, of the names you'll know. Yeah. Bongi Mbanabi. Right. Uh, Peter Toy. Okay. Thomas Toy. Uh, Stephen Kitsoff. Nazim Carr. Quagga Smith. Uh, that's about it. Chili mm, Boy Ralapelli. Is he back, is he? Uh, I, he? Didn't he have a drugs ban? He did have a drugs ban. He, he used to play at Toulouse. Hmm. Wonder where he's playing. I'd be back in South Africa. I bet, I bet he's massive. <laughs> you don't get a drugs ban for no reason. <laughs> yeah, cash back. Uh, he's, um, he's back at the Sharks. Yeah, excellent. Right. Um, there is the, there's the Ashley Johnson failed test as well that we've still not heard anything more about, have we? No, nothing yet. That'll be interesting to see what happens. Hmm. Anyway. Right. Well, that was that's been a fantastic podcast. Thank you very much, Philip. Thank you for actually managing to make it to the end of the podcast. <laughs> My pleasure, mate. And be here in studio with you. Oh, Always a pleasure. What a great guy. Uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. You can follow Cocker at Cocker or me at Jay Beardmore. You can also find us on Facebook, twi- uh, we've done Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and also, please go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It does help. And lastly, buy a Cornerstone Razor. We've not done, done the advert this week because I know you get sick of it. But go and do that. It's great. Use the code egg10 at checkout because it keeps help well it helps keep on the lights and make sure we can sit in these lovely recliners that i bought with that razor money and actually if we didn't have any egg chasers razor money we couldn't have gone to new york we wouldn't have gone to new york we wouldn't have gone to chicago no we have gone to philly we wouldn't have bought that bottomless brunch <laughs> absolutely and done that ludicrously bad quality podcast post bottomless brunch exactly there you know all these things that we can't do because you decided not to buy a Cornerstone Razor. So, uh, Cornerstone Razor, Egg 10 at checkout. But anyway, enough of that nonsense because we will see you next week at our normal time. Uh, I don't know what we'll talk about, but believe you me, whilst everyone else is taking a holiday, we will be talking about something. So, until then, from me, Phil and Tim, goodbye. Let the boys play. <laughs>